that because of Jesus, we can sing that in truth and know that whatever we encounter, whatever we're going through, that it's always well because we have a relationship with you, that you love us, you're always working for our good. Thank you for that truth. Help us to experience joy in that. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, man, what a great uh, song to end on for me today. Uh, all about the eyes today, where we keep our eyes. I was thinking about, uh, I guess because of the one of the songs, uh, talked about, or reminded me of Peter. I don't know if it talked about Peter. I just uh, thought about Peter and when he was walking on the water and he got his eyes off of Christ and then began to sink. And, uh, man, I have... I've been struggling with that uh, for the last few weeks. I've already shared some of this, but, man, the struggle is so real, and I just need you guys to pray for me. I'm, I'm struggling with not keeping my eyes on what I have always considered to be success and, and blaming people or judging people and condemning people because they're not helping me be successful in, in my old way of defining success. Uh, and so, man, I knew today, I, we were praying before church even started, uh, just worship team, just praying that God would help me to get my eyes off of that, because I knew today we were going to be way down, because I knew, I, I've been, you know, had a lot of people tell me this week they're going to be uh, seeing their moms today, which is always the case for us. But still, man, it's just, it's so real, and today I was just trying to, as we were singing, I was just trying to make it true, you know, God, please make it all about, you know, about keeping my eyes on you, you know, keeping my eyes on what you've done for me and focusing on that and uh, not on, you know, the things in my flesh. But uh, so I know some of you probably are also struggling today uh, with different things. And I just want you to know, man, you we are all in the same boat and uh, trying to gain strength from God's word today to deal with that kind of stuff. So pray for me. If you don't pray for me regularly, pray for me regularly that I will grow up spiritually because I need it in a bad way and uh, man, I'm not beating myself up because of it you know I'm, I'm walking the grace of God so do you right all right so we, we you know we we get to embrace his grace while we work through all the the flesh stuff that we got going on and it's and it's not something we do alone matter of fact it's not something we really do we just put it on right put on the things that he's already promised that, that exist because his spirit is in us so putting those things on are hard, and taking off the old clothes really is the hardest thing for me. Just getting the old stuff off so I can put on the new stuff. Uh, so God's good, man, and through it all, uh, my life's in his hands, you know. Through it all, you know, there's nothing that's changed in my relationship with God. It's all, everything's good. It's well with my soul, and that's the thing that matters. But I definitely, definitely want us to be fleshing out what it means to, to walk with God, uh, and particularly to, to step up our walk with God in, in the sense of not finding something within ourselves that's not already there, not trying to encourage ourselves or motivate one another to be something that, that we can't be, or to try and persuade each other to do something that we don't even want to be, or, or be something we don't want to be, do something we don't want to do. But instead, 
encourage each other to find that desire that God's put in our hearts and just walk in it, you know, walk in it, flesh it out. Uh, so we're talking about, uh, we're, we're going through First Timothy. Man, what a great book for us to study uh, while we're trying to flesh this stuff out. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it's good because, of the, because Paul is talking to a young uh, pastor who's just getting started in his ministry, and, and Paul's having to encourage him of, in the face of opposition, stay and remember and keep your, keep your focus on the gospel alone. Don't be adding to it anything or listening to all these people that are trying to get you to add stuff in order to make it sound palatable to religious people or to pagans in the area who have other gods. Just stay true to what the Word says. And so we need that. I need that today. And so we've been talking about that. Today we're going to pick up in chapter 2, uh, finally. Uh, I think we're in Sermon 5, uh, four, 4 in chapter 1. You know how that goes. Uh, but, man, I'm just real encouraged uh, by this, this chapter. So uh, I hope you guys can internalize it. Apparently you're the few, the proud, the Marines today, uh, spiritually, to get to catch this message and use it. Uh, so let's work on it together, and then we'll go home and celebrate mothers by the way happy mother's day officially all right first timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 paul says this first of all first of all then i urge that supplications prayers intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher, And an apostle, I'm telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. All right, so so here's what Paul has said so far. Okay, in a summary statement, what we talked about. If we were to summarize Paul's statements, he would say, now that you have this charge to stay in Ephesus, refuse, uh, you need to be refuting false teaching. You need to be reminding the the believers who are struggling with, do we listen to the Jewish leaders? Do we still abide by and walk in the law or not? You need to encourage them not to listen to that false doctrine or be affected by it because you've been entrusted to do uh, so by those in authority over you who recognize the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life to be a pastor. And you need to fight the good fight, endure, And practice this gift, which we'll come to again in chapter 4. Practice this gift that the Holy Spirit has given you and immerse yourself in it. Don't take it lightly and don't do it half-heartedly. Immerse yourself in this gift that God's given you. All right, that's the word that God has uh, in that passage. Now, he says, where do we begin to flesh out this charge that, that Paul's given Timothy? Where does it start? What do we do now that we, that Paul, now, uh, now Timothy, now that you have this charge, okay, where do I, what do I start by doing? And I love this. Look at where he says to start in chapter 2. How do we know it starts? Because he says, first of all. 
the first thing that he's going to tell Timothy to do because, because he has this charge to do this ministry, the first thing he tells Timothy to do is what? What? You can talk out loud. There's only a few of us here today. Ready? What is it? Pray. All right? Pray. First thing that he does, he encourages him to do is not to get busy working. It's not to, uh, to refute those who are, who are teaching false teachings. It's not to, uh, to tell everybody not to listen to the old dead religion of the day. The first thing was none of that stuff. Immediately, for most of us, if we were to get a charge from God, which we have one, if we were to get a charge from God that said, you know, I want you, and we do, I want you to, to, to be used by me, to be my ambassadors in this community for uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to be ambassadors. So that's my charge for you. Most of us, the first thing we would do is what? Got it. Uh, and we got some plans already in place, right? Because we've seen churches that are really cool in how they do it. And so we're going to pull into what they do, and we're going to get to the action right now, right? We're immediately going to go and start refuting false teaching, which if you guys are like me, when I first started realizing the grace of God, I got mad about people who kept judging me and condemning me. Uh, I, I got upset with that because that's, that's all the religion that most of this town knows is they've been judged by Christian people in this town. And so my first response was I was mad. And when I, if I were to read this or if I had this charge to go refute that doctrine, this is the way I would do it. I would go and tell them off. You know, no, what you're saying is absolutely wrong. And I'm sick and tired of you putting that on me and other people. So here's where it is. You know, I'd want to go refute him and I would have a plan. But God knows, man, that plan would not have worked. Not only would not have, it, would, it would have caused the opposite to happen. They would have stood up in defense of their beliefs and we would have had this ongoing fight. And nobody gets free, right? Same thing with telling those that, that are stuck in dead religion. You know, man, y'all need to come out. Y'all need to come out before they ever really realize they're even in bondage. You know, come out of what? So, man, we have to start in the right place, and the right place to start is prayer. And so Paul's telling us that. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with prayer. And so, first of all, he tells us how to pray. Look at it. I've got these words up and the definitions that, uh, out of the Greek, basically what some of the definitions are. First of all, supplication. He says, I want you to, 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 prayer, to pray uh, prayers of supplication. Well, what is supplication? That's, that's uh, that which is asked with urgency based on the presumed need. So we're praying in supplication. We're praying for something, that, for an urgent need, all right, that, we, that, we, that God has put on our heart, uh, or it's at least presumed to be urgent by us. So he says, I want you to pray, uh, to pray, uh, or urge that supplications be made. All right. Then he also says prayers, which means to speak to or to make requests of God. It's simple. All right. But it's speaking to God or it's making requests of God urgently. All right. Then uh, intercessions. That's to speak to someone on behalf of someone else. So I'm speaking to God on behalf of someone else. And he's going to tell us who we're praying for in just a minute. But we're supposed to, to, to speak to God, not only on behalf of ourselves, which most of us are really good at that. God, I got this, really, I got this need financially. I got this want. You know, I really, need to, I, would, I really need to have a better car than everybody else. I really need to have uh, more money than everybody else, or more money, really, just period, to do what I want with. 
or even just in the basic necessities of life. God, I need, I need, and it might be real, and we call those out to God. But he's saying also we need to pray intercessory prayers, which is in its purest sense. This is what intercession is. Intercession is, is saying, God, like Moses said, God, strike, take my salvation away if you're going to take it away from, from those people. In other words, I'll take on their condition if, if you'll give them my condition. It really is, in, a, in, a, in, the, in, the, in the truest sense, it's being willing to take on somebody else's condition in order for them to, have, to be blessed. So if I'm praying for somebody that's sick, for instance, urgently sick, intercessory prayer is the Holy Spirit has to transform my heart to the point where I'm willing to take on their sickness so that they can live. That's the truest form. But intercessory prayer, in its general sense, is just praying for somebody else. So a lot of times, all we do is pray for ourselves. So he's saying, this is what we should do. We should pray like this. This is, the first, this is where we start ministry. We start ministry by praying for those who, uh, who are refuting, uh, or those that we need to refute because they're teaching false doctrine. We pray for them first. We, we call out to God for them in, in, a, in a very heart-wrenching sense. God, put it in my heart to, to call out and cry out to you for these people, that, that their teaching would be changed, that they would come to the realization of where they are and the lies that they're, they're holding on to. And the same thing with the people. God, help me with the people that are still stuck in dead religion. Help me to be able to call out uh, to you on behalf of them in a way that's real. And then the last thing is Thanksgiving. And I say last thing, there are numerous passages of, uh, of Scripture in Paul's teaching specifically where he says, start with Thanksgiving. Make all of your requests with thanksgiving. There should always be thanksgiving. Even before it happens, there should be thanksgiving because we know that God is good. That's expectancy. That's saying, God, I know you're going to do something good, so I'm praying right now with thanksgiving already in my heart. So that, that's how we should be praying, or, uh, yeah, the how of what we should be praying. We should be speaking to God with urgency, requesting that he work in specific people. Meeting their needs. And also speaking on God on behalf of other people that he might work through them to meet needs. All right, so then who do we pray for? Verse 2, he says this. He says, pray for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. All right, but first of all, he says, I'm sorry, I left this out. In verse 1, he says, pray for all people. Okay, so the first thing is praying for all people. Uh, here's what we tend to do. All right, you tell me. Who do we tend to pray for? Ourselves first, and then who else? If we're doing intercessory prayer, we pray for our husbands and wives, for our fam- immediate family. Uh, but he says pray for all people. So let's just let's put the generic up before we get specific. Now, he's talking about specific people here that he wants Timothy to pray for that we normally don't pray for. But we need to be praying for those that we like and those that are easy to get along with. We need to pray that God will touch their lives, God will work in their lives and take care of them. But we also need to pray for those that we dislike and those that are difficult to stomach. You know, there, all of you have some people in your life that are hard to stomach, right? I might be sitting next to you as well. It might be a family. Uh, but you, we all have some people in our lives that are not we don't really like that much. God says pray for all people. We need to pray for all people. Uh, we need to pray for those that bless us. 
And we need to pray for those who curse us. God tells us that. Uh, you need to pray for the people that, that give you stuff, and it's easy to pray for. God put a blessing in their life because, man, they just helped me in a great way. Uh, that's easy prayer, but there's another prayer of supplication that's urgent, as urgent for us to pray, and that is when someone curses us, God, please turn their hearts around, help them turn my heart around, help, help me to respond to them in the right way so that their lives are changed. We need to pray for those who are believers, for sure. We need to not neglect that. Please pray for your pastor, okay, because I've already shared with you something specific. You can put it on your list, write it down. Pray for Glenn that he can quit keeping his eyes on stuff and keep his eyes instead on Christ because I'm sinking. I need to be standing up. I need to be on top of the water, right, walking with God. And I know you are too, and, and we need to know how to pray for each other. That's what life groups are about, right? We get together. That's what our men's prayer groups are about. Uh, is getting together and praying for each other and saying, look, this is what's going on in my life and being honest with each other, opening up those things. Because God's ready to move. He's ready to work, but it begins there. And when God tells us to, to have an impact on this community, it starts with prayer. And so we realize that, that we've got to pray urgently uh, for the needs that we see, that God opens up to us, praying for others, asking God to work, and then thanking God that he's going to work, expecting that. And for everybody, those that are believers, but then those that are not believers. I don't know how much struggle you guys have had with this, but you know our, our blessed acrostic is to find people that are lost and wandering in the community that God would put on our hearts and begin to pray for them is the first thing. Begin with prayer. Remember that? The be and bless, begin with prayer. It's consistent with Paul, what Paul's telling Timothy. That's where we start. If we're going to have an impact in this community, it's going to have to start with prayer. But how many of you, don't raise your hands, have been faithful to even ask God, God, put somebody in my life that's not a believer. And then some of you have a lot of people in your life that are not believers. I do. And then, and then asking God on their behalf, praying consistently, God, do something in their lives, interceding for them, praying with urgency, asking God to do something in their lives, to move in their hearts. It starts there, and I, I really believe as a congregation, God will wait for us because God controls all time. He knows when someone's going to be, uh, who, who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved, and, and he, I think he'll wait and use us to be able to do it. He doesn't need us. So what's he doing with us? He wants us to call out to him. He wants our relationship with him to grow. So calling out to God for people, you know, and be faithful to that. Write it down. You can do it in your car. Don't, don't leave the house. Or two or three times a day, put it in your phone to, to buzz you to remember to just ask God. God, do something in their lives for those that are unbelievers. So he says pray for all people. But then he says, and even, and even kings and all those who are in high positions. God wants us to pray for kings and people in high positions. Here's a good topic for us today, right? <laughs> I've heard so many opinions, political opinions. I'm not standing on a political plat platform today. I, 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 we all operate in a different kingdom, the kingdom of God that's in this world. Here we are. We have, you, know, I, you need to go vote. You need to vote as God leads you to vote. But we're sitting here looking at many of us, and I'm, I'm hearing from everybody, and it's no longer political parties that I'm hearing from. What I'm hearing from is people who are wondering what in the world's fixing to happen to the United States of America. Let me tell you this. 
What's going to happen in the United States of America is exactly what God wants to happen in the United States. And God is going to put in leadership who he wants to be there to do his bidding. He's doing that. Look, look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. There's a number, a number of passages uh, throughout the New Testament that talk about the fact that God puts people in position and how we're supposed to respond to them. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 17, this is what he says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. God wants to do a work in the lives of the leaders who are above us. He wants to do a, a work in the lives of political leaders in this, in this city, in our state. He wants to do that work. They need to see God, though, in us. You know where people will see God? Not when we stand up in their faces as leaders and oppose them. Now, I'm not saying that we don't ever stand up, right? We do. But we do it in the right kind of spirit and right type of attitude. Uh, we need to be praying for those leaders, first of all. And asking God to do something in their hearts and to use us and our sub- subjection to them as leaders to bring them around. God uses the same principle when he talks about a husband and a wife who are connected and one of them is not a believer. That uh, He talks to wives and says you should submit to your husband in such a way that they see your, your love for God, not your love for them. They see your love for God and your willingness to be submissive. That leads people to be open to change. I was having this discussion this week with with a member of our church. This is so real. You guys will feel it. One of the things we talked about was that how do you deal with somebody who's difficult? And we talked about praying for them and what that does for us. When you start praying for somebody, it changes your attitude. What would be the opposite of praying for them would be gossiping. We'll be talking about them to somebody. And everybody wants to talk about somebody who's, you know, everybody wants to talk about somebody. Gossip is in the flesh. It's natural. Slander, you know, gossip, that's, uh, we all grow up with that. I, I read an article one time that said 90% of what comes out of a teenager's mouth is a cut to somebody. It's either, sl- it's either gossip or it's slander, a cut directly. Sometimes it's done in joking, but most of the time it's not. If 90% of what comes out of our mouth right as we're entering into adulthood is that, I'm going to tell you, that's a hard thing to overcome. But, if you've ever tried to minister to somebody and you've been talking about them and then you get in their presence, how does it affect you? Have you ever done that? How does it make you feel? Man, you feel like, I, I don't even like them, and I know it's showing up on my face, so I'm going to try to act like it's not, but it is. It's a fake smile. It's a fake love. That's what happens. The total opposite of that happens when you invest in prayer for somebody that you don't like, somebody that's uh, in, a, in leadership over you, when you start investing in them in prayer, you, you bring them before God in an urgent way, asking God to work in their lives, then God begins to change not only their hearts, but he begins to change your heart, and that's where it begins. You know, I, I, there have been times when I've handled it both ways, and I can just tell you, 
I have somebody right now in my life that I despise the way he handled a certain situation in leadership. I despise it. But I know him well. We're good friends. And I prayed for him through the whole thing. And every time I get in front of him, I could, with, with confidence, without any guilt, without any con, uh, negative conscience, I could tell him, I'm praying for you. I'm really praying that God will use you and work in you. And my attitude, and there was no, no doubt that my face wasn't communicating something else. That, you know, my body language wasn't communicating something else. I just prayed for him and asked God to do his work. I don't do that all the time. I just know that's where I can feel it. You know where else I can feel it? Is when I know people have been talking about me. You know it too. When you walk in, when you see somebody that you know, and all of a sudden they're kind of fakey, you know, when last time y'all really embraced and everything was good, and now they're kind of like, oh, hey, high five, you know, and they don't want to be around you. They don't want to talk about to talk to you. You know, they're not, they're not loving and caring. It's not warm anymore. You know it. I've had that happen on numerous occasions. Uh, where I know people were talking bad about me. So you've been on the receiving end of that as well. Look, if we want to have an influence, if we're going to do what God's called us to do, y'all with me still? Say, oh, yeah. If we're going to do what God's called us to do in this community, that's full of lost and wandering people, if we're going to have any kind of influence on them, then we need to be praying for them, not talking about them. Praying for them, not gossiping about them believing that God's going to do a work and thanking him in advance for it instead of believing that there's no way they're going to come around and talking about them like they're never going to change. We need to be the ones investing in them, yes. We need to have a plan. But, but look, our ministry plan is not, to, is not to invite them to life group. Our ministry plan is to pray for them first, then invite them to life group. You know, we're prayed up, and as a group, we're prayed, and, and we're strong, and we invite them to come to life group or to church. Then, it, it, then we're ready. You know, we're ready to reach out. God prepares us as we pray. So he's telling Paul, first thing, man, pray. Start with prayer. How do we pray? Supplication, prayers, intercessions with thanksgiving. Who do we pray for? We pray for all people, including the ones that are hard to pray for, like in Timothy's life, those who are in leadership over him, those spiritual leaders who are also, I mean, those, those political leaders who are also spiritual leaders. Well, what do we ask for when we pray? Look at verse 2 again. He says that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Okay, I've already described this. I'm not going to go back into it. I just want to say that's what I was just describing a minute ago. Uh, what do we pray for? God, we pray for these people. That, that they will be good leaders, so that will help us to, to, to live in a godly way. Because if they're not good leaders, then it, 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 it's hard for us to, to live in a godly and dignified way. I've been praying for that. <laughs> I've been praying for that. I'm so judgmental, man. I'm so condemning. I have that issue. I, I want to see success, and I've already defined what it looks like. And if you're not helping me with that, I judge you. Sorry, I don't want to. I'm trying to get over it. But I do. I judge you. And I, I don't want that spirit in my life. And I know that, that the reason I need to pray for you is because as I'm praying for you, God's changing my heart. And it's going to help me to live in a dignified way. Godly, not flesh. Godly. The godly side of me is going to show up instead of the fleshly side of me. And so that's what we do. Because God, we, want, we want to pray that God will change our leaders and that's going to give us a type of favor, uh, you know, that, that gives us the type of favor, favor that, ad, that aids us in trying to help them. 
and trying to pray for them, but also that God's changing our attitudes towards them. So why do we pray for all people? Verses 3 through 7. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. First of all, why should we pray? Uh, why, why should we pray for all people? Number one is because it's good and pleasing in the sight of God. All right, he says it's good and pleasing in the sight of God. So if you want to please God, here's a way to do it. Pray. Pray for other people. But, but specifically, why does God want us to be involved in praying for other people and being involved in their lives? It's because God is not willing that any should perish. God wants all to come to eternal life. All means all. God wants even those who are hard to pray for, even those that seem like they're so far away from God that are wandering out in this, you know, they're, they're pagan. They seem to be demon-possessed. You know, we, we all have somebody like that in our lives as well, right? Somebody that we think, oh, man, there's no way. God wants us to pray for them. God wants all to be saved. You know, so, so wherever you are in that, uh, this passage is very clear in saying that, that God is not, God, God wants, it says what his desire, God's desire, is for all to be saved. God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of truth. Now, uh, there are lots of different views on how God saves, and we're not going there. Let me just tell you where we stand as a church in regard to salvation. Here's where we stand. How God saves is a disputable matter. There are passages of Scripture, whole plenty of passages of Scripture that theologians have studied, good theologians who love God, are deeply committed to the Lord, and have studied and been true to the original text, have studied and say that God chooses some to be saved and some not to be saved. We're not standing in defense of that, and we're not standing against it. Scripture is hard to refute that in Scripture. But there's also so many Scriptures that say this, things like this, that a God who is sovereign uh, desires for all to be saved. There are a number of Scriptures that talk about that everyone, God's desires for everyone to be saved. That God loved the world so much he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That, that, that God, uh, God is not willing that any should perish but that all would come to eternal life. That word all. We're not, standing in, we're not standing for it. We're not standing against it. Here's where we're standing. Because theologians uh, like John Calvin who would stand on one side who loved God de- deeply was a man of God, a student of the word of God. He stands on one side and says that God predestined some to be saved and some not to be. And then you got uh, John Wesley, who did not agree with his theology, who was a man of God who loved the Lord, who memorized the whole Greek New Testament, absolutely committed to deep theology, studying the word in its context, 
was known as a man who was passionate about, both of them known as men who were passionate about their love for God and their love for people. It demonstrated itself in fruit. Stands on the other side of this issue. You know what we call that? It's what Paul calls a disputable matter. And this is what Paul says about disputable matters. He says, do not spend time arguing over disputable matters. Here's where we stand as Southern Baptists most of the time. Arguing over disputable matters. <laughs> That's where we spend all of our time. It's arguing over things that, that we can't define and we don't know. And, and we'll stand on one side. We'll stand over here with John Calvin and say, oh, we're smarter than all those people over there. And we love God more than they do. So we got the right way. And they can, there's no way they could be right. Or we can stand on this side over here with John Wesley and look at Calvin and say, uh, man, we love God more than the rest of them. And we got our, our theology is right. And we have a high view of Scripture. And they don't. And so they're wrong and we're right. Man, it's disputable. If God wanted it to be clear, he would have made it clear. You know what I think the Lord wants us to do? I think he wants us to just take the word of God, let the Holy Spirit speak to us, and know that he's at least saying this. If there's anybody in this room today, and you feel any inkling of a desire, any little bit of a desire to have a relationship with God and to to receive the grace that he gives for salvation, it's free to you, and you can have it today. All, all can be saved. I don't care how you define, how God defines all. We know what all means. And if you desire to have a relationship with God, it can be yours today. All, everybody in this room who wants to have a relationship with God, you can be saved today. That's the good news. There's no dispute over that. I don't care what, which theologian you are. John Calvin and, and John Wesley, shake hands and say, absolutely, it's true. Okay? So I don't want to get off on some tangent, but I do want you to know where we stand as a church. We're not going to allow that to divide us. I don't care where you stand in regard to what you believe about soteriology. What I do care about is that we believe what the word says and that however we apply it, we know this, that any person in this, whoever feels led to have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit draws us, and when we have that desire and we want to be saved, you can be. And it doesn't uh, exclude anybody in this church today. Everybody, okay? What a, great, what a great thing to stand on. And so we need to pray because in prayer, first of all, God is pleased with prayer. But second of all, God wants all people. And, and the reason why he's saying all in the context of this passage is because here's what he's already drawn Timothy's mind to think about. Those false teachers. God wants those false teachers to be saved. God wants those who stand in opposition of the gospel message to be saved and he wants timothy to know that so timothy when you're working start with prayer and pray for those false teachers before you ever go to them with any word you pray first and i'm going to give you the words and then you speak it what's crazy about paul who had this tremendous ministry with the gentiles who he he mentions here he says, i'm telling you the truth i'm not lying even gentiles can be saved i want y'all to know this is me i'm telling you this is truth i'm not saying it because somebody's listening i'm telling you gentiles can be saved but Paul had this great ministry of the Gentiles. And the Jews were so slow to believe, and they were constantly in opposition to Paul. But you know what Paul shared about his heart? I think it's in Romans 10. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel would be saved. His heart's desire, when you look down in the heart of Paul, is, was that his own people, 
the Jewish people, the legalists, the ones that were fighting him, the ones that were opposing him, the ones that wouldn't believe in him. Uh, His desire was that those spiritual leaders, that Timothy's fixing to face in opposition, those false teachers, that they would be saved. How did he get that heart? He did what he's telling Timothy to do, start with prayer. Start with prayer. First of all, before you go into action, pray. You know, when we talk about the blessed acrostic, begin with prayer. Why are we doing that? That's biblical. We need to pray first and let God do what he's going to do in our hearts and in our attitudes and give us expectancy about what he's fixing to do through our lives. And we need to pray for leaders and we need to pray for, for everybody, our friends and our enemies. Pray for all of them that God would help them to see the truth. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. Peter said, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We need to live godly lives. They need to see no no, uh, discontinuity between what we say and how we live. And what's going to do that is our prayer life. Man, when we're praying for them, they're going to see a connection. They will see God in us, and it will cause them to respond to him. Another reason we should pray for all people is because there's only one mediator between God and men. I just want to touch on this real quickly. We need to realize that we live in an age where culture promotes truth as relative. What does that mean? It means that if you were to talk to the average person downtown Alexandria and say to the average person, not the person that's in church and grown up in the church, but just the average person on the street, and said, what do you believe about God? They would have a belief. And whether that belief is in the scripture or not makes no difference to them. Here's what relativism is. Relative means this is what I believe and, and this is what works for me. That's all that matters nowadays in most people's lives. We, we live in a town that's full of people who say, well, this works for me. Uh, you know, I, what do you believe? I believe this. Even when you talk about truth or you read a scripture, they say, well, I believe. And they go and tell what they believe. It's like this isn't truth. That's called relativism. As a result of that, y'all with me say, oh, yeah. <laughs> the number one virtue that you can possess is tolerance. It's tolerance. Uh, the world wants you to say, great. That's what you believe. Uh, and it works for you. It's enough. Now, we, we don't believe that. But if we're going to pray for people, and we're going to be an example for people, and we're going to let them see Christ in us, we can't handle it the way we've handled it in the past. There's two ways that we normally handle this relativism and this this uh, demand for tolerance from everybody one way is we color uh, the scripture in a way that that makes it fit their lifestyle in other words we take the scripture and we turn away from it and we just say oh yeah well that could I mean I understand what you're talking about that's good so we just we don't ever present truth and that's not what the Lord wants for us uh, you know, we can't, we, we, at some point, uh, they need to hear the truth. And that's our goal, ultimately. You know, Paul says, ultimately, I want you to refute false teachers. Ultimately, I want you to tell people, don't listen to the lies of these false teachers. You have to refute it. 
All right, so then that's the second thing we do. Second thing is we do is that we stand up with our beliefs and we say, well, that's a lie and you guys are all wrong and that's intolerant and it's immediately not accepted. We're right, the Bible says, blah, 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 and we're telling people that don't believe in the Bible what the Bible says like they're supposed to act on it. And they're offended by it and they turn us away. And we have rallies and we have picket signs and we have all this stuff in the face of those people who say tolerance is the number one virtue and we are intolerant. So where's the balance? The balance is bless people. The balance is begin with prayer. Pray for people. The balance is drop the word of God into their lives like a plumb line and let them measure up to it. They have to be the ones to make the adjustment of their lives to the truth. You speak the truth. You speak it in love. You speak it carefully. You've earned the right to be heard before you speak it. And then when you speak it, you make sure the Holy Spirit is leading you, and you make sure that that, that that word that you're speaking has a foundation, a deep foundation of prayer. That's different than anything I grew up with. What I grew up with was, uh, we're just going to gather around us a bunch of teachers who say the things our itching ears want to hear. We'll make we'll we'll make real lighter the truth, and we'll we'll have we'll, we'll just make methodology what we're all about. We'll have a lot of good stuff going on at the church. Invite people to it, and they all feel good about themselves and walk out. Or we're going to stand in rebellion against the world, and we're going to stand up and tell everybody what's wrong with them. But who wants to take the time? Who today? Who of us? It's going to take the time to do what Paul's telling Timothy to do. To begin with prayer, first of all, be consistent in praying for people. Pray, not pray quickly. And I say, okay, Lord, help me today. And then I go out and get in everybody's face and tell them how wrong they are. Or I go out, out in the world and, and hope that maybe they might catch something while I'm living in sin with them. But I'm praying long enough that God's changed my heart, that God's working in me to prepare me to stand before them and I'm asking God and I'm prayed enough that I'm sensitive to the spirit so when he drops a word in my life and gives me a scripture to read or a word to say I know it and I know the timing is right and I'm trusting in him and not in myself and my ability to, to make something happen now I'm prepared I'm prepared to refute false teachers I'm prepared to help those who are stuck in listening to false teachers to know the truth and I'm dropping a plumb line of truth into the lives of non-believers. Paul's plan is great. It needs to be applied. You know, here, here's here's where we here's where the dilemma is for us as a church every week. Is that the word gets said, the word that God has for us as a body gets said, and the question becomes: Are we going to apply it? Are you going to pray? Are you going to not just pray for a little while and then you're going to quit and get tired of it and stop? But are we going to be a praying church? Are we going to do what God's asking us to do through this message? Are we going to be consistent in praying for everybody that God puts in our path? Taking time to pray. It takes a lot of time to pray. It really does. You need a plan. You need to not only say to God today, which I hope all of us will say this, God, I know I need to pray first and help me to do it, but we need a plan. 
I would say by the end of the day, if not now, while we're having our final worship together, that you need to ask God, what's my plan? How can I make this a reality in my life? Because it's not going to automatically happen. And I don't care how how persuaded you might be right now to do it. It's not going to happen if you don't get a plan. Get a plan. And it's not easy. I'm struggling. And you will be too. But let's struggle together. Let's work it out. Let's ask God to give us the power that we need to overcome and pray for everybody and all the situations that affect us. Whether it be who's going to be president of the United States or or who's, uh, how am I going to handle this person that's hurt me? Or, or just praying for God to bless our church and to, to show his blessings here. All right, let's pray. Father, as we begin, uh, or as we close out today and begin to worship, just uh, make this message real to us. Lord, you've, uh, you've been very clear. That you have a call on our lives in this, in this, uh, and something for us to do in this culture, uh, in this community, and it's a very unique call. And I thank you for that. But Father, you've you've uh, made it clear today. We need to start with prayer. We don't need to be out doing stuff without praying. And and maybe that's why you're waiting to move uh, in in some kind of uh, obvious God exclusive way that that people in this community will take notice of you. And so, Father. I pray that I pray for commitment today from every one of the of our members here, and uh, and Lord, even those that are visiting today that you brought here for today, that they would take this message and apply it. Father, you would bring us to pray, and not let that be exclusively for people that are easy to get along with, or those that that bless us, and believers who are easy to pray for. But God, for those who are hard to get along with and difficult to put up with, and those that curse us and seem to be against us and for for our our presidential candidates God and who would be your leader for this country to bring us to wherever it is you want to bring us God help us help us to be people of prayer